I didn't take a paycheck the first two years when I worked in video games and esports. Like I deferred my income. I started my own company. So I was spending my money to pay other people to try to create something. Um, and I was failing, 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 but I was learning along the way. So I spent money to try to create opportunities to accelerate my growth. So because the way I always said the best way to learn is to just get started and try to do something. Welcome to welcome our audience of ourselves to the to John and Veronica show, or the um, Veronica and John show. But you know, hey, it's a, a working title. It's a, it's a working title. We have we have an audience of uh, Christina here. The, the, the genesis hey, of why we want to start. Hold this. on there. Hold oh, yeah. on. My pleasure. <laughs> My yeah, yeah. pleasure, John. Thank you for having me, Veronica. Glad to be here. Uh, and your first episode, you guys pulled me in. I'm honored. So thank you, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. The genesis behind the idea of the show is that I think there are a lot of content out there focused on founders, CEOs, VCs, billionaires. Uh, you know, what about the people doing the work? Right? Who's actually like making these products, marketing these products, launching these things? And we wanted to interview people who are mid-career and at the pinnacle of their craft. Yeah, to add to that, I think on a personal note, it took me actually getting out into the workforce to even realize what kind of jobs actually existed. I remember starting on a production of a TV show for the first time and looking around and thinking like, oh, that's a job. Wait, that's also a job. Um, and industries like tech and entertainment. Why is it the cool industries? They all happen to be black boxes. And part of our hope is to learn about what kind of jobs are out there. It's kind of like having a friend in the biz, right? Getting insight into what you actually do every day. And and how you broke in, and maybe how somebody else might too. And today we have Christian because uh, for a variety of reasons, you know, I've always been interested in the sales function, so I want to learn more about that. And also, since I teach an esports class, a lot of my students are always just just curious about people who who did a career switch into esports. So today we have we're joined by Christian Bishop, Chief Revenue Officer for for Method, and also on top of his day job, he's also the founder of Esports.gg. Yeah, I don't know which job to ask you about first. You do so much. I, I guess for some background, John and maybe some other people listening on this call know a lot about esports. I, Veronica, know less about esports. I wonder if you could just tell me sort of what your what your esports job looks like minute to minute. Like what what do, what does that actually mean? What do you do on a Tuesday? Yeah, look, glad to glad to fill you in. So for us, at least for what I do at Method, we you know we specialize in MMOs and RPGs. So we're a little different than your traditional kind of esports org that's in uh, a game like League of Legends or Dota or Counter Strike um, or in a franchise esport. Um, so we are a bit of a niche, but a really powerful, popular niche. Veronica, like our main game is World of Warcraft, which is one of the most powerful IPs in the world yep. for video games. It's been around a long time, so. Uh, major nerds, major nerds over here. Um, but the day to day is I manage our sales team and I work with all of our partners and anything that impacts revenue. For us, we've got nearly 100 creators. We do a ton of, we run a ton of events and we have a global community. So working in different time zones all around the world and having fun every day driving revenue. Could you give me the layman's breakdown? Like, you know, what is the difference between like a chief sales officer versus chief revenue officer? Like, why, why the change in title? Yeah, you know, I've always, for me, the CRO role made a bit more sense, I think, for my particular role. Uh, I think I, I don't I don't really see the chief sales 
role as often, but I see sales directors, right? And the head of sales, the titles like that. Um, and they're not far off. I, I think for me, I'm also involved in the capital raising discussion. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an equity participant in the business as well. Um, I'm on board there with Method. Uh, I manage the entire sales team as far as, as well as driving revenue and managing partnerships with some of our biggest partners in the space. And then I work with all the talent as well. So it's pretty wide encompassing. You know, and it actually expands. We launched a software tech play and a desktop application uh, that I oversee that project too. So I think the the when you add that chief title, John, it just they, it just justifies putting more on your plate. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I means, see. Man. I think that's I what it really is, to be honest with you. Just spend some time to actually look through your resume and your LinkedIn to really kind of figure out your background. August 2016 was your last month in the traditional uh, sales job, traditional being not esports. And now fast forward a couple of years, December 2019, that's when you became the CRO for Method, uh, essentially the top WoW guild and one of the top esports orgs. How did you even make the career switch? It, you know, it, it's really, for some people, it seems like an insurmountable thing to do, but you just, no, you did it within a year, but within three years, you really catapulted yourself up. Yeah, it's crazy you say that, man, because I we talked about this and I remember being at your offices in Amazon um, in Cali, just getting started early on, really working hard, uh, picking your brain and getting your great advice about opportunities and what I need to do. Um, so students, pay close attention to your professor. Okay, listen up. The man knows what he's talking about. Listen up. But for me, it, it started a lot with confidence and confidence in myself and what I was able to accomplish, you know, and, and I was really successful in corporate America on sales roles that did really well. Um, and then I just took the leap and actually Hollywood TV pushed me to be like, look, go do something crazy. So I went and jumped on these TV shows and that got me kind of out of the mold. And I remember my sales director being like, Christian, you're one of our top guys what are you doing, right? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, look, this is something I want to do. This is a life experience. It's LA. These things don't come up all the time. So I went, they gave me leave. And then I got asked to come back to a second show. So I went, I went, got leave of absence, came back for a second show, asked to leave again. They're like, absolutely not. <laughs> They're like, you have to choose. What do you want to do here? Do you want to be a reality TV person? Or do you want to have a career in tech in this industry? And I was like, ah, I was like, honestly, I can get another job. I was like, honestly, I can. And I, I really felt that way. I was, I told him, I was like, hey, I can get another job. Um, respectfully, sir. Um, so I, but I'm going to go do this. But I understand your position. You have a team to run, right? Like you have quotas and things you need to hit. So I just took the leap. And then after that, you know, it was about, I don't want to go back. I didn't want to go back to corporate America. I jumped into content and I saw and it was a pretty exciting run for me on those, after those shows for a few years. And it gave me an opportunity to just meet a ton of people and just go for it and start my own company to eventually get in esports. Veronica, do you want to dig into this show? Did you describe this show yet? I, I, I want to dig into so many things. I, I love it when you're sure. really you're you're talking about making a career change by choosing out of desire instead of choosing out of fear, you know, and believing that you can and believing that you'll figure it out, which is awesome. How does that actually happen? Is it all through people? Is it all through relationships? Was it kind of relationships you had built in one industry or friends that you had that really helped you uh, make the initial leap into TV and then the leap from TV into esports? I can't even say it was that much of relationships, to be honest with you. I think it, I think it was also, honestly, seeing it through. I saw things through in my corporate America gig to a point where I was like number one in the country consistently quarter after quarter and I was performing at a high level. I got promotions and 
I was doing really well. And I was like, do I want to be that guy, you know, that gal in the corner of the office? Like, do I want to be a VP GM or a sales director? Do I want to be doing this for 15, 20, 25 years? And I'd have conversations with people in that position. And they, one time they straight up asked me, Christian, what do you want to do? Like one of the, one of the guys did, he was there for 30 years and he asked me and I gave him a PC answer. And I was like, you know, no, sir, I see myself kind of you know, I, I told him what you're supposed to say. I see myself kind of growing up and following in your footsteps and moving up the company. And he's like, he's like, don't bullshit me. He's like, tell me what you really, he's like, what do you really want to do? And I was like, I don't know. And it shocked me. So like, you know, it shocked me and it set me back and, and, and it really motivated me. So like, I, I saw it through, I saw those opportunities through. I didn't really have questions. I was successful. So I wasn't really learning as much, you know, as you would um, when you're not at the top. So not that I wasn't continuing to push myself and improve because new things always come out. But uh, I think that was the big thing. I think giving myself the time, because I was almost there eight years, you know, to Mm. really experience that kind of component and then was comfortable when something new came up and just took the leap. You're super confident. You were basically top at the top of your craft, uh, and you made a career switch. That makes perfect sense. Now that you're in this position, how likely or or what to take for for like a brand new person, never been in esports? How, how do they even get on your radar? Like, what do they have to do uh, to give them like a shot? Doesn't have to be full time. Could be part time, a test, whatever. Look, I I respect and love effort. Right? If you're willing, my thing is do the work. If you're willing to do the work and you show up every day with a mindset of how do I get better and you can find a way to communicate and get in touch with me because of social, like I'm on all platforms. So, you know, you can definitely get DMs over to me on a platform. You can send me a message on LinkedIn. And if you can showcase what you've accomplished and then like, hey, these are the steps that I've taken. These are the things I'm very serious about this. This is how I think I can add value. You'll get my attention and then I'll find a way to get value back to you to get you involved, even if it's not one of my companies someone else's. Um, that's what I love about esports. Esports is incredibly entrepreneurial. And because it's such a new industry and the way the video games work, it's on a cycle. So every new every year, there's new games. With new games come new opportunities, new players, new content creators, new tournaments, new events, new websites pop up, new content has to be created. So there's always an opportunity for you. So, you know, just if you can find something you're passionate about in this space and wait for your opportunity and just do the work, and then get in front of the right people. I think you'll have your chance. Naive question alert. Again, I don't know as much about esports about as John or you or some of the people listening. You know, I think about if someone wanted to break into writing for a TV, for example, right? We know that even if they don't have a job yet, they could be writing spec scripts for the kind of show they want to write for. They can take independent classes to educate themselves. Are there things people can do if they want to break into esports? independently or do you is it all about sort of targeting the kind of places that you would want to work and doing that social networking i think it's smart to always reverse engineer where you want to be and where you think you want to be uh it's i think it's a blessing if you actually have it figured out the the younger you are and if you actually feel like you you know then you're lucky i didn't it was right in front of me i was a lifelong gamer i love games i was always discouraged from video games from my parents typical cliche story so i and i'm i'm not a developer i'm not an artist so i like your 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 normal jobs at a publisher or studio really didn't align with my bd kind of sales revenue focus as a at a young age it's hard to get those roles so um i it was right in front of me and i just was like oh no i'm not gonna be able to get a chance like i'm not gonna be able to get hired so it missed me it missed me but if you are aligned early on and you know 
this is where you want to be, reverse engineer it and then think of the steps you can take. If it's from a, if you can create content, then create content. Nothing stops you, whether or not it's YouTube, TikTok, social platforms, um, Twitch to start creating content. Or if you don't want to be a content creator, work with one, provide services and find a content creator that you can partner with, right? Everybody wants to be a creator. Everybody's trying to produce content. So help participate, manage the stream, manage their YouTube, create assets for them. Do If you want to be a BD or sales guy, say, hey, I see you're doing, you have a successful YouTube channel. You're a great content creator. Can I help bring you deals? Can I go pitch you to brands and try to get you opportunities? You could start um, very small and be successful. It's, there's tons of opportunities. Every like creator is, is honestly, Veronica, to, 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 to like connect it with traditional Hollywood because you brought up writing. Every single creator is almost practically a production company. Every streamer is a production company. They're operating a channel and they're producing content, you know, every single week, sometimes anywhere from 30 to to 80 hours a week of content. Some streamers are crazy and they're streaming a ton. Um, And that's regular programming and thousands of people tune in to watch them every single day, just like you would on your linear television or like when we were kids, you're watching TBS, CBS, ABC or something. So Around that ecosystem, naturally, there's a ton of opportunities. Totally. I realize it's kind of retro to say, write a spec script and submit it for the sitcom that you want to write for, when really these days it's more like, pick up your cell phone, film yourself and your friends doing your improv. Another thing I find interesting is to work in quote-unquote esports is really like a wide, that term can mean a lot of things. I think, you know, your career is interesting because, yeah, I, I get it, your sales in BD, but you've also had, uh, you know, you've built this facility with Thunder Gaming. And also, you were the commissioner of the uh, World Series of Esports. Like, talk more about the WSOE role. Yeah, yeah. So after opening the venue, Thunder in LA, I was asked to come over and end up becoming the commissioner running an esports league called the WSOE. And this was funded and started by the same company that created World Series of Poker. So what poker was as a new multimedium for them back in the day, when poker was really booming on ESPN a decade ago, um, they looked at esports as being the new way for digital media for them. And they had an incredible studio in the middle of the Vegas Strip, uh, right in front of the Aria, my favorite hotel. Um, and we and we were putting up $100,000 a month, putting prize pools and for all the major games and flying in people from all around the world, hosting different tournaments and events and, and getting, you know, getting great viewership and people were tuning in. So we were building a new IP and a third-party league working with game publishers and platforms. It gets back to my question about sort of what is the day-to-day, what is the minute-to-minute actually like? Again, naive question alert. You know, are you on your phone? Are you on your computer versus being on site and traveling all over the place? Are you just playing games all the time, you know? I'm embarrassed. You asked me, am I on my phone? So I get a message from my iPhone. It curses me every single week and it pops up and it tells me my average screen time. You have to go first. You guys have to go first. You tell me your average screen time as I'm embarrassed to say it. I'm, I literally cringe. I, I never said my screen time out loud, but I cringe every time I see it. I'm going to get really personal I, here. I often fall asleep with like what, with the TV on in my phone, <laughs> but I'm listening to it in my headphones. So my screen time is really inflated. My numbers are inflated because it's happening at night while I'm asleep. So I can't, I can't really answer that question with any accuracy. But go ahead, John. We'll take- <laughs> I just checked and mine is a three hour and 47 minutes but half of that time is in maps because i always i always drive with uh, google maps so let's just say like you know two hours for me no not bad my my screen time on my iphone is nine hours 
So my screen time is nine hours on my iPhone, and I'm sitting in front of three monitors, and I work on my on my office. I'm on my computer all day. That's okay, confession. Is. Mine so, is also nine hours, but some of it's while I'm asleep. But some of it's while I'm asleep. You, so I'm right there. you didn't want to say it. You didn't want to say it, Veronica. I can't believe you dodged the question. You were like, Poof. I did. Oh, but you're not alone. Oh, man. Um, oh, it's, it's rough. It's rough. So, like, my screen time's up there, um, but I'm, I'm pretty much a cyborg, right? Like, I'm literally connected. That's what the life is like. And that's what th- these companies and Honestly, I always say like my partners pay for this. This is what my company paid for. This is like part of the value you get is I'm always on and I'm always connected. And there's benefits to it. Being an entrepreneur, like in the middle of the day, I can go run and do something during the day because I'm not an hourly clock in and a clock out person. But on weekends or late at night or taking a call at three in the morning, you got to do what you got to do. So um, definitely an always on and connected approach you know, Veronica and working through the different opportunities that present themselves and challenges that pop up. Is it more like working at odd hours or working on your own terms? Or is it more like just living the job and doing it all the time? Well, there's, well, there's deadlines, right? Like at the end of the day, there's cycles and there's deadlines like anything. You've got expectations and partners and contracts of things that you're committing to, whether or not it's with a platform. Like Twitch is one of our number one partners. We've got a tier one partnership with them and we have to deliver for them based on the terms of our agreement. And we have to make sure we do that. And that's working with all of our content creators. That's working with our production team, creating shows and content that the community would find compelling and interesting to tune in. So just Mm -hmm. from a traditional production content, talent management component with all those humans and personalities and everything that comes with that from a legal accounting and HR, a media, a PR, a comms, a social media point of view, there are all these facets that are all interconnected, but then you've got to manage the relationships with sponsors and brands Right. And then you're managing the publisher relationships and then you got to be forward link thinking and thinking about where you're going to go next, um, you know, three to five years down the road and try to stay ahead of competition and innovate. Um, and then you throw in the software tech play that we added. So then you're working with devs and, and trying to build a new product that could be compelling. And all of that stuff is I live by my calendar. Right. My calendar's full. I probably on average 10 items on my calendar every single day. Uh, Those could be calls, those could be meetings, um, and I usually try to avoid large meetings if I can and uh, try to have time to actually, what I say again, do the work. Let me curious, do you have a super... Oh, go, John, go. Oh, no, no, you go I was going to ask a stupid... No, it was a stupid question. I was going to ask him, like, if his to-do list is really long, if it's really short and prioritized. I told you it was a stupid question. It's a great, it's a great question. So I use, I use two things. Either I use my iPhone notepad, um, if, because I, I'll just be, you know, at the gym or I'll be out and about somewhere and I'll be like, I'll remember, and I'll just drop it in my, my Apple notepad and then I'll just save it or I'll actually write down pen and paper. Not that, not crazy, or I don't use like a, a mood board or like one of those uh, things on the computer. <laughs> like I just keep it simple. I keep it simple. So it's on my mobile. So it's accessible anywhere. And then I, I have a pen and paper. So I want to change topics and ask you about esports.gg, and then I wanted to bring some other folks here into the conversation. You know, I had a chance to hear the story from you. It's just, it's just super impressive. I don't think people even a lot. I don't think a lot of people know about the story. So can you share what your plans are for esports.gg, and how long have you been cooking up this idea? Yeah, you know, better than anybody, man. It's been like, what, five years? I think just been grabbing the assets one by one secretly. Um, 
you know, almost like the Infinity Stones. And I, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> it's also how it's also how I built this company. So like each platform. So getting esports on Instagram was first. Um, but then was able to get the the esports on Twitter. Um, and then I, while I was doing the deal for the domain and the website esports.gg when that was available, I was doing a deal with College Humor Dorkly because they had the Facebook esports. So we were just able to get them one by one, just quietly. Um, got them and then started building last year when ESPN pulled out of esports. And I was like, look, you know what? I want a media company that can tell our industry stories. Um, and how do I bring in the best people that I can from across esports and make them owners in this business, get them involved? So we brought people from every major platform, Twitch, from Twitter, from Snapchat. We brought people from game publishers. We brought somebody from every major tournament organizer, ESL, Star Ladder, Face It, to all be involved with creating this product to tell our stories. And then we brought in awesome you know, talent, hosts, commentators, retired pro players that were incredibly successful, kind of like LeBron did with Uninterrupted or Players Tribune and, and are having them tell stories and communicate with the audience directly. So we're not relying 100% on just pure journalists. It's a bit of a hybrid approach, uh, giving uh, people who I feel like have been a big part of building this industry a platform. <clears throat> I see some people in the audience. As I said, I've got uh, Austin here who he, he works in sales and uh, I'm going to bring him up to see if he's got any questions. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, it's been really eye-opening to be on this uh, clubhouse. I'm, I'm honored to be on the first episode. Uh, Christian, I did, in my brief research um, I've done about you, I've been able to learn a little bit about you, and I'd love to be able to know more. Uh, frankly, I'm sitting here listening to you talk with John and Veronica, and both me and my girlfriend are, like, you know, smiling. She's been telling me, wow, this guy's very, very humble. Um, with that being said, I am a salesperson and I want to sell esports and I want to be able to sell everything involved in it. Um, so you being a CRO who's had extensive experience in the esports space, what kind of numbers do you want to see? And, and you know, what are the things that drive profits and growth for your company? Um, I'd love to be able to know. In regard, hey man, thank you, thank you for the kind words, and thank your lady for the kind words. It's really nice of you. Um, I, I love TFT. I play TFT. I play a lot of league. Uh, I ruin my day regularly playing ranked. Um, so uh, I try to stick to ARAM when I can, man. But um, what is when you say numbers? What are you referring to? Viewership, a revenue point of view? What are we talking about? Both or either one? I don't really know. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about both viewership and revenue. Um, you talked about reverse engineering your job role and. What I've been doing in my free time is uh, taking coaching lessons from some of the top teamfight tactics players in North America. And I recently became a Twitch mod for one of their channels. I think the moderator role on Twitch is pretty undefined and largely entrepreneurial. It's more than just banning people and timing them out. I believe a moderator's job is to help grow a channel. And if I'm going to grow a channel and sell it to a potential sponsor, what kind of numbers do I need to present about a creator and how do I leverage that growth into a job? Call it what you want, but you're on the team of the talent that you're working with. You can you can be a moderator because you're modding their channel and you're making sure that it's a the community you have the right people involved that you're monitoring what people are saying that the broadcaster has a safe place so that they can focus on creating great content. Then that's special. Um, but you can also be call yourself a producer, right? That you could be more. You could be more than just moderating the chat. But you could be producing the chat in the community, getting feedback, getting people to engage. You could be producing moments on the stream, right? So you could be working with the talent, messaging them on Discord, and then 
you know, saying, hey, I suggest this, or what do you think about this? Here's an idea, or you know what, this worked really well. During your last four-hour stream, chat really blew up when you did this, and you're more producing and manufacturing moments, um, which happened a lot in, you know, the reality TV stuff I did. Everything was produced and manufactured. So you can and you could do it that in a way by identifying special moments, and then you can be more than a producer and be an actual manager of the talent by helping them manage their email inbox as they grow you get access to like, hey, it's, you know, it's pan at gmail.com or pan management. They put it in their social or put it in their Twitch and then they get reached. Like, it'll happen. People, as they grow, people will reach out with opportunities and you take that over for them. You manage their inbox, you start closing deals. And by doing all these things, you develop a story. And then you're able to show your track record of, I worked with this person for three, six months, 12 months. This is where they started. This is where they went. This is what we accomplished. And that story and that roadmap Despite the size, even if it was small, if it was scalable, people will be able to say, that, wow, you did this. Okay, imagine if you had somebody that was a bit bigger, right? Or you had five people instead of one. Could you do it? Um, and then you just work your way up as you see fit. I just happened to be talking to the head coaches of one of the nation's top esports teams. And we were talking about the challenges of coaching. And they mentioned how they could use a lot more resources. Uh, so I asked them what they needed. Was it more people or more data? What did they need to improve the coaching situation? And I was thinking there has to be at least eight to nine students at UCI who would be excited to be part of building a coaching system by doing an internship. And they said that the program is against having students work for free. And I kind of agreed with them. But, you know, I listened to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk and in my head, I'm disagreeing. I'm thinking learning these skills and applying them, doing something you love for a premier organization is priceless. I don't know. I, I'm not really sure where I'm going with this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Building career capital. <laughs> you career No, capital. listen, and, and I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Funny enough, AJ, we work with VaynerMedia. AJ Vaynerchuk's on our team at esports.gg. He's involved in our business and on the board. Um, so I, I like them. I've spent a lot of time with Gary and you're talking about his whole eat shit concept, right? Like he says that and he talks a lot about giving value back, right? Um, and I get that too. I didn't take a paycheck the first two years when I worked in video games and esports. Like I deferred my income. I started my own company. So I was spending my money to pay other people to try to create something. Um, and I was failing, 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 but I was learning along the way. So I spent money to try to create opportunities to accelerate my growth. So because the way I always said the best way to learn is to just get started and try to do something. Um, or the best way to get to know somebody is to try to work on something with them. And the, for me, a lot of my best relationships have come with working through things with people and just getting started on projects. And if you do the good work every day, you're going to learn, you're going to improve, you're going to grow. And if you do the right things, it should lead to something else. So um, to me, I think in the short term, I'm okay with volunteering your time, um, but it has to be something in exchange. Like, are you learning? Are you growing? Are you getting access to something? If you're doing something every day and you feel like you're not getting those things, then it's time for a change. But if you still are getting educated, to me, I could, I, I, I think you can quantify that and say, what is that education worth? Like, what is that intimate knowledge that you're getting worth that then you could go to leverage that knowledge to get through a job interview so that you can come off like you know what you're talking about? And then be able to get the job that pays you, you know, whatever it's going to pay you because you did something for free for a few months. Another piece of context on the ad is the the guys we're talking to last night, uh, the the UCI uh, Overwatch coaches. I mean, there's a difference between like an undergrad, like, right, like, a, you know, a person who just graduated versus kind of where you are in your career or where Christian was at. Like you guys already had jobs. 
you know, you, you are able to be in a position to take more risk versus like a fresh grad who, who may not have that um, safety net. Man, look, get in where you can fit in. If you can get an opportunity to get paid, then do it. But even if you take something for free and you're not getting paid for it, doesn't mean you stop searching. It doesn't mean you stop putting job applications in interviews. But instead of just sitting there playing like, you know, playing around all day, at least do something. That's, that's my approach. So if you have to get in and work with somebody and volunteer your time, it's good. It's good. It's, you're working those muscles. You're staying active. find it kind of ironic that you are a little self-deprecating about your nine hours of screen time. But I have a feeling a lot of that is very productive time. I would almost encourage people to have more screen time. A lot of people say they don't want their kids to have any screen time. And I'm like, have more. This is the future. This is technology. They should be very fluent with this stuff and be able to navigate. <laughs> You're hired. I love you. You're hired, man. Bring Am I? All right. I got it here. I so it. It's, it's, it's done. Done deal, man. You did it. You did it, man. You yeah. did it. Look, I listen. I, I agree, man. Like, I one of the things that I say is that I make a living paying attention as well, especially in a revenue role. I consume a ton of content, right? Like Jonathan does too, right? Like he, like he, you know, I see you talk a lot, man, about this content that you consume, and even your shout, you shout people out on Twitter, like, yo, I love that you made this. You should do this. Like, I see that. So, like in esports and video games, consuming content, staying close to the community to know what's working and what isn't working, what brands are actually doing things or not. I read a ton. I'm always paying attention in the industry um, because unless you are, it's really hard to try to make good decisions. So I consume a lot of content, man, and that's a part of it as well. But fortunately, because I love it, you know, you're able to do that and not just count that as work hours, right? Because it's your leisure time, but it's but it's so powerful because because you love it. It's your leisure time, but it benefits what you do during your your workday. And, and you know, and that's what's crazy about people that are passionate about video games that work in this industry. Whereas somebody who wasn't loving it, are they going to go and when they're done with their workday, spend that time consuming the content or playing the games like I do because I love it? Maybe not. And I think that gives a lot of people that are into it a heads an advantage. 